Well, I see that you have received your letter. You received your letter. You should feel very good about your selection. Very, very good, because only the most distinguished diplomats of King Jesus are chosen to study at Ambassador University, the King's prestigious school for diplomats. You should feel very good about yourselves. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, maybe you've had the mail on hold or you've been in veil for the last week or whatever, every Hillside household received this letter right here from the faculty of Ambassador University, and I'm going to read it to you just in case you missed it. This is for you, each and every one of you, Hillside. It goes this way. Dear distinguished servant of the king, we are writing with exciting news to share. You have been chosen. Let us back up. Because you belong by faith to Jesus, the Son of God and the reigning king of the world, because you've served faithfully as his ambassador since your adoption into his family and his service, because you naturally long to sharpen your skills for carrying out your prestigious calling to represent him in this distressed world, and because you bring him pleasure for no other reason that you are his forgiven and empowered child, you have been selected for seven weeks of advanced training at Ambassador University. King Jesus's prestigious school for diplomats training will, begin, will be held on Sundays, January 8th through February 19th. Congratulations again on being selected to attend Ambassador University, and then it's signed by three professors, Dan, Tom, and Pete. Okay? Give yourselves a hand. Congratulations. Now, we're having a little fun with this, obviously, but let me say, uh, it's not as much of a stretch as you think. Hillside Covenant Church is full of people who are living out their ambassadorial calling. Our church is full of people who are taking the opportunities that God has given them to, to share Jesus with people, to, to talk about who he is, his love, what he accomplished on the cross. And I'll give you a few examples. A few weeks ago, Allison and I were having dinner at the Paulson home. An absolutely wonderful night of uh, connection and food and friendship and about that we have got to keep feasting together as a church. We really do. And I hope you'll sign up for Brunch for 10 if you haven't already. But anyway, while we were feasting on, on Carol's absolutely amazing manicotti, someone at the table mentioned that he had been engaging an ongoing spiritual conversation with, uh, with a neighbor, somebody who lived on the street. And for this person, it was the most natural thing in the world to develop relationships and to share Jesus. Just last week, I was in a, a pre-service prayer meeting in Bergeson Hall, and somebody who was in that meeting mentioned that he's got a relative who just graduated from one of the world's most distinguished universities. And although this person uh, is not a Christian, he finds Jesus to be very, very compelling, like nobody else who's ever lived, and he's, he's spiritually curious. Well, what is this hillsider doing, this distinguished ambassador of Jesus? He's engaging with him. He's sharing Jesus with this person. He, he's trying to explain why 
Jesus makes so much sense of life, and he sent books, uh, which this younger relative, this young intellectual is reading, and they're, they're having these wonderful, meaningful, engaging conversations about the books. Last week, in the joint service that we had with uh, Open Table, there was a spiritual investigator in the room. We want Hillside to be full of spiritual investigators, people who are here who want to find out about Jesus in the company of their Jesus followers. And this person was so touched by the service and Stephen's message in particular that he stuck around and he wanted to talk to somebody about who this Jesus is. Well, who was there to connect and share? Tom Gillis, one of the faculty members of Ambassador U. How about that, huh? Hillsiders are living out their callings as ambassadors of Jesus in more subtle ways as well. We have a business owner here at the church, a leader, you all know him, who if you email this guy uh, around any Christian holiday, Good Friday, Easter, Christmas, you will get an auto reply. I think you know who I'm talking about. You will get a reply that says something like this. Thanks for your email. In observance of Good Friday, we're closed, but we look forward to contacting you when we return. Subtle, but that's ambassadorship too. It's waving a little Jesus flag in the professional world. The point is this. Here at Hillside, we are already living out our calling as the king's ambassador. So it's not a stretch to say or to imagine Kind of like uh, a Rhodes Scholar receiving the coveted letter to go to Oxford for advanced study. It's not much of a stretch to imagine we've been selected to go to Ambassador U, the King's School for Diplomats, for children who he's proud of, and he's proud of you. We got four objectives for this series that we're starting this morning and we'll be in for seven weeks. First, with Ambassador U, we seek to awaken awareness, awareness of our fundamental calling as ambassadors of the king. I want you to catch this. To belong to Jesus is to be his ambassador by definition. And the Bible makes this clear in all sorts of ways. In the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus is just about to depart, to, to ascend to heaven, to assume the throne of the whole world. And what does he do? He gathers his disciples around him. And this is what he says to them in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And get this, you will be my witnesses. And what King Jesus said to the apostles, he says to every one of us today, every one of us in this room, you will be my witnesses. Second Corinthians chapter five, Paul similarly links belonging to Jesus, coming to him in faith, having his grace and his friendship and his forgiveness with being his ambassador. Listen to these verses. And these are really good ones to underline in your work Bible if you have a Bible that you like to annotate. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And get this, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. See, the fact is, there is no cleansing of sin without a commission to ambassadorship. They actually go together. And this can actually be hard, probably not so much for the hillside crowd, but it could be a little harder for maybe somebody who's here today and is just investigating the faith. Maybe you've gotten curious about faith. You realize that naturalism, the worldview that the, the, the physical stuff is all there is. Maybe you're realizing that just doesn't cut it. That doesn't explain reality. So you've begun to do some exploration of spirituality. This could be a little hard for you to grasp. You've got to kind of wrap your mind around it a little bit because it flies in the face of a lot of contemporary spirituality because a lot of contemporary spirituality tends to emphasize, if you listen real closely, how God serves us rather than how we serve God right? So in struggling, though, to kind of absorb this distinct feature of Christianity, that that to come to Jesus in faith is to receive a a calling, to receive responsibility in his world. If we struggle to kind of get that, you could say that we're a little bit like this guy, Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Who loves Pippin? Who loves Lord of the Rings? Oh, all you with your hands down should be ashamed of yourselves. I don't even really love fantasy, but man, I love these. These are absolutely magnificent. Anyway, Pippin is my favorite character. And if you know the story, you know that at uh, a a crisis point in uh, their quest to destroy the ring of power, Pippin, who is this good-hearted but really quite foolish hobbit, makes a serious snafu. He, he gets a hold of this thing called a palantir, which is sort of like a, uh, a crystal ball. And when he looks into it, he gives their enemy, the big eye guy, Sauron, an opportunity to see where their group is. And this is an absolute catastrophe for the fellowship for this group on mission. Well, Gandalf, one of three Jesus figures in the Lord of the Rings, the, the, the trilogy just drips with Christian imagery. Gandalf shows extraordinary grace to Pippin. He forgives him, and what's interesting, he even intercedes for him uh, to other people who are angry with Pippin. But what's interesting is the form that his forgiveness takes. You see, rather than banishing Pippin, kicking him out of the club, he brings him closer, saying to Pippin and to everyone else, things are now in motion that can't be undone. I ride for Minas Tirith, and I won't be riding alone. At which point in the film version anyway, Gandalf picks up Pippin, puts him on Shadowfax, uh, Gandalf's horse, and they ride off together on Gandalf's next mission. And you see the point. You know, in being forgiven, Pippin doesn't just get a break. Pippin gets Gandalf. Or maybe even better, Gandalf 
gets Pippin. And you could say that his release, being cleared of all charges, comes with new responsibility, his pardon with a new privilege, riding forth with Gandalf. And again, you get the point. What Gandalf says here to Pippin is essentially what God says to every single one of us when we come to him in faith and are baptized. This is what he says to us. Things are now in motion that can't be undone. I ride for the kingdom of my father and I won't be riding alone. All of us. So our first objective, we're just trying to awaken ambassadorial awareness because that's who we are. Second, with this Ambassador U series, we seek to awaken wonder. Wonder in this exalted calling. I mean, what could be greater? What could be a more distinct honor than representing and speaking for Jesus of Nazareth? After all, he is Jesus. He's the king. He's the finest person who ever lived, and he's called us to share him. And he's called us to share all of his healing goodness with the whole world. I mean, nothing dignifies our lives like a calling like that. And what's more, if we think about it, there is no greater gift we could give our friends and our neighbors than giving them God. That's as good as it gets. You know, the words of a, a famous theologian, one who just died, as a matter of fact, for God to exist is a primordial need for all of us. Everyone needs God to live joyfully, meaningfully, hopefully. Think about it. If we are living somehow with hope, especially with hope for what happens after we die, we're living with hope, but without God, we're actually not living our own worldview at all. And our hope, you could say, is firmly planted in thin air. That's how it works. After all, listen to Pope Benedict. A world without God can only be a world without meaning. For where then does everything that is come from? In any case, it has no spiritual purpose. It's somehow simply there and has neither any goal nor any sense. Then there are no standards of good or evil. Then only what is stronger than the other can assert itself. Power is then the only principle. Truth does not count. It actually does not exist. Only if things have a spiritual reason are intended and conceived, only if there is a creator God who's good and once the good, can the lives of men and women have any meaning. that powerful? And it's true. No God, no meaning. No God, no hope. No God, no ultimate love. No justice, no fairness, no standards, nothing. When we share God with people in the context of genuine friendship, we never throw this at them. We engage in friendship, we are giving them the greatest gift. We're offering them a stable floor for a life of purpose and meaning and hope. Third, with Ambassador U, we seek to instill confidence. Confidence in our calling 
as the king's spokeswomen and spokesmen. Now, I want to say, I totally understand that when we begin to talk about this particular aspect of the Christian life, we get a little bit nervous, okay? But here's something that really heartens us. Scripture is emphatic that God blesses any attempt we make to represent him, no matter how anemic it is in our own minds. You see, to even try is to succeed because Jesus multiplies what we make available. To quote my twin brother, Darren, who's speaking at our men's retreat in March. Men, I hope you'll sign up. In fact, twice in the book of Luke, Jesus talks about a time in the future when people who belong to him will be dragged before tribunals and made to answer for their allegiance to him. And of course, this prophecy is not just something in the future. This has already been fulfilled. In fact, many times in many places, starting just a few weeks after Jesus ascended, Christians have been made to answer for their allegiance to Jesus the King. It's happening in China right now. Well, what do... What, what does Jesus counsel? What's his counsel for us in such a situation? Listen to him here. This is Luke 21, 14. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you. For I'll give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. A great promise. You know, in Acts 4, we see Jesus' promise fulfilled already. When Peter is made to speak before a hostile crowd and he speaks with power and clarity. We see the same thing with Stephen in the book of Acts. Now, admittedly, you know, defending ourselves against some new Nero is a little bit different than what we're talking about here. Sharing Jesus with a friend over brunch, somebody that we developed rapport with. But, but here's the point. They're both situations involving ambassadorship and in both cases... God promises to give us the words, to use whatever we have. God will never waste even the least eloquent attempt to represent him or to share him. And lastly, with Ambassador U, we seek to impart skill. That's one of the functions of the local church, by the way. You know, the local church, church like this, church like Community prayers or open table, all churches like us that love Jesus and love the Bible. The local church has many analogs, a lot of things that you can compare it to. For instance, the local church is a retreat center where people come and they experience the deepest kind of refreshment. If we're succeeding here at Hillside, you leave the mountain refreshed to your core. We're going to keep working on that. But the church is a retreat center. Retreat centers need to be beautiful. And that's why the visibility team spent so much time last year uh, creating the Light Lounge, a, a place to, to talk and to be refreshed. That's why Mark Seaver and Kara Young and their amazing Race 22-23 Yardscape team is continuing to pour so much heart into our grounds. In fact, they even recently installed some lighting on the hillside, which makes our entryway so beautiful, even kind of enchanting in the dark hours. So the church is a retreat center. Church is a hospital 
where wounded people come for healing. And as our superintendent, Brian Murphy, reminded us last fall in a sermon on the Good Samaritan, we are the inn where Jesus, the ultimate Good Samaritan, leaves the people he rescues along the, along the road. And I want to say this since we're talking about it. Hillside is a hospital for everyone. Everyone. Everyone is welcome in this place, regardless of political party, regardless of prior beliefs, regardless of personal identity, everyone is welcome to come here, to be forgiven, to be healed, and then, this is key, to learn side by side with the rest of us the narrow way of Jesus, which is the way of love, forgiveness, generosity, self-sacrifice, and yes, holiness, sexual and otherwise. And lastly, the church is a training academy. And this is the face of the church that we are leaning into with this Ambassador U series. The church is a place for servants like us to develop new skills for serving Jesus in the world. In fact, although I haven't shared it yet, I've kind of been leading here at Hillside for the last two years with one eye on a document that I have been tinkering with for about 10 years called the the Transformation Template. And this Transformation Template contains seven critical skills that the New Testament invites disciples like us to cultivate together. And one of those seven skills is spiritual conversation, which includes simply knowing what is our message? What is it that we have to share as the ambassadors of Jesus? And I want to say this. When we finish these seven weeks of Ambassador U, we are going to know our message. We're going to know it really well. And knowing that message, its various dimensions, and how beautiful it is, how it answers the questions of every human heart is going to be so empowering for us. What's our biblical material for Ambassador U? I'm excited to say we are taking yet another journey. If you were here in the fall, you uh, know that we took a journey to Jerusalem with Jesus' disciples from the middle section of Luke. Well, we're taking another journey. This time, we are journeying with Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey. And Luke records this journey in Acts chapters 13 and 14. And I want to encourage you this week in your own time with the Lord Read those two chapters in one sitting. It'll just take 15 minutes or so. And they are exhilarating. These two chapters, it's like Clash of the Titans, Bible style, okay? Full of sea voyages, encounters with false prophets, riveting gospel presentations in front of electrified audiences, angry crowds, miraculous healings, riots. There's even a near stoning. These chapters are really exciting stuff. Peter Turry has produced another fantastic companion study. What a treasure we have in Peter Turi that he's able to do this. Yeah. Many of our home groups are going to be using Peter's companion study uh, for the reflection component of their gatherings over the next seven weeks. And as you know, a little review, hillside groups exist for three purposes. Connection. We develop relationships with each other. Reflection, 
we spend time in God's Word together. And third, exploration, when we take time to discern how the living Lord is calling us to follow Him. And as you know, again, for the the exploration purpose uh, or function of our small group, we, we always, after meaningful time in God's Word, I mean, really thinking about it, letting it wash over us, reflecting on it, then we close our Bibles, and then we look at each other, our brothers and sisters, and we say, in a, in a prayerful and spirit-aware mode, Matt, how do you sense the living Lord is calling you to follow Him? That's our normal question, because we're Jesus followers, right? We're trying to follow the King. Well, let me, I have a suggestion. How about if for the exploration portion of this next season of our group life together, we tweak the question ever so slightly. And we ask this question of each other after we spend time connecting and after we spend time reflecting on God's word. Joy, how do you sense the living Lord is calling you to share him with others? That's our question for exploration, all right? For closing, I wanna acknowledge a struggle Something I bet is sort of simmering in the hearts of some of us. Again, sometimes when we talk about our calling as ambassadors, to represent Jesus the King in the world, sometimes if we're honest, we sense a little apathy. We sense something less than fire in our bellies to go out and and be about this calling. You know, the Apostle Paul really helps us here if we are aware of that. You know, just a few verses before the passage that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the passage which we learned that that our our pardons have a purpose, our, our cleansings have a commission, Paul says something amazing. He explains what it is that drives him to keep sharing Jesus with other people. And in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it's just seven verses. These are going to be seven of the most important verses over the next seven weeks. Listen to them. For the love of Christ controls us. Paul was driven. Paul was motivated. Paul was impelled to tell the world about Jesus by God's personal overflowing, extravagant love for him. That love, the divine love in his heart, the love that had grabbed him, turned him around, offered friendship, gave him a new future, washed the slate clean. That love was the fire. That love was the fuel, and it will need to be the same for us. Being inflamed by God's deep love, the dimensions of which we'll never come to the end of, it will overflow in being focused on his purposes, one of which is as he gives us opportunity to develop relationships and share Jesus. If that's the case, the question becomes, how do we become more fired up? How do we become more electrified by God 
in his love for us, each one of us? How do we become a living torch of that love? Three spiritual masters. The writer Peter Van Bremen, St. Augustine, and my favorite of the three, Pastor Floyd Roseberry. (laughs) They all urge the same practice. Gazing at God and seeing his look of love coming right back at us. Because when we look at God, we see and are saturated by his love for us. He's loving. He loves us. When we look to him in trust and dependence, he looks back with eyes of love. Love that changes our very personhood. And like all love, that love opens up new love for him right back at him. So that's what we're going to do to close this time of worship. We're going to gaze as a family of Jesus followers. We're going to gaze upon God. And we're going to do it in a way we love to do it at Hillside because we're a singing church. We're going to do it through adoring, prayerful singing. We're going to sing and we're going to enjoy the music. But we're going in a prayerful and spirit-aware mode. We're going to look into the eyes of Jesus in our own hearts. And as we do, we're going to soak in his love. And as we soak in his love, we're going to sense something happening in us. We're going to sense our own love in return surge, and we're going to direct it right back to him. And that's going to be love that is going to move us just a little bit this morning. It's going to incline our hearts to be concerned about what he desires. It's going to turn our hearts to want to jump on the horse with him and ride where he's riding, which is always towards other people who haven't experienced his love yet. So that's what we're going to do. Allow me to pray, and then Goog and team are going to come back here. And then we're going to close with a worship set, and we're going to pray, and we're going to sing, and we're going to look into the eyes of our Lord with the eyes of our hearts. Let me pray for us. And team, you can come back up, worship team. Father, we are aware that you are here among us. We are aware of all that you've given us. We're aware of the inheritance that we enjoy. A new heaven, a new earth to look forward to, and new bodies. We're, 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 we're aware of our cleansing. We get to go into your presence, being unconcerned about times we looked into the palantir, like Pippin. Because we long to live the purposes of our pardons, we, we want to be reanimated in this moment. We want to be refreshed. We want to be requickened with love for you. And we know that that happens as you refill us to overflowing with your love, your love for us. The ones who you're not mad at, the ones you adore, the ones who you see as masterpieces, the ones who you are satisfied with the ones you reconcile to yourself in your son, our savior who died and bled on a cross for us, but is not dead anymore, who's reigning today at your right hand and interceding 
for us and beckoning us to follow for lives of meaning and adventure. We come to you now as a family in adoring, prayerful singing, looking in to your eyes. And in Christ we pray. Amen. You've given us your Son as our Savior. You've wiped the slate clean. You've invited us into yourself and your heart. You've given us lives of meaning and purpose. You've given us the promise of a new creation and new bodies to enjoy them in. All is well because of your generosity and your grace, and we're so thankful. We are so excited about how you're going to equip us over the next seven weeks. We're going to emerge from this better equipped to live for you as your spokesmen and women. And we're so grateful that any attempt we make is one you're pleased by and you bless. We love you so much. We're so thankful for this time together. Thanks for Goog and this team leading us so skillfully, Lord. Thank you. We're so grateful. Amen. Friends, don't forget, uh, the prayer team is available to pray for you. They would love to pray for you. Uh, if you are new or newish, again, we have a little meet and greet in Bergeson. It's just down that way. Uh, we would love to, to introduce ourselves to you if you're, again, new or newish. Or maybe you've been around for quite some time and you think, I still don't know anyone here. Come to the after party. We want to say hi to you, okay? All right. Here's your benediction, dear friends. Comes from Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. Slight modification. This week, dear ones, may you have great power to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep God's love is for you. And knowing that love, may you experience the fullness of life and power that comes from him. God bless you, and we will see you next week, if not sooner.